And I'm your host, Sean Robinson, a.k.a. Sean Rob, a.k.a. the guy with the two first names. Today's episode, we're recording from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, home of Mr. Rogers. Y'all remember Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Let's see, who else is in the room today? We have uh, Tyler, little brother Tyler. What's up, Tyler? All is well? Yeah, everything's good. Excellent, excellent. We got RJ, the producer. What's going on, boss? Hey, man. Good to see you. Good to be here. Good to be here. Yeah, man. That's how we do it. Lucas, a.k.a. LT, how are things going? Good, sir. Always good. Wonderful, wonderful. So on today's episode, we're going to talk about the early beginnings of Orange Arrow. But first, who you with? Yeah, yeah. Who you with? Hey, who you with? Where you at? Orange Arrow, who you with? Hey, who you with? Where you at? Orange Hey, Warren, Ohio. Let's talk about Warren, Ohio, where it all began. Warren, Ohio, population of slightly under 42,000 people about an hour away from Cleveland 50 minutes from Akron speaking of Akron shout out to LeBron I remember when I first heard the name LeBron a former teammate of mine at the University of Pittsburgh he kept talking about this kid from his hometown some guy named LeBron he was better than Jordan better than Kobe you know how it is everybody from their hometown they think their guy's the next guy. It's like, yeah, right. But yeah, we went. I remember going back home and watching them play. I believe it was in eleventh grade. Play. They had to play at Youngstown State because the high school gyms could not control the crowd. And I was like, who's that grown man out there with those little kids? But now we all know him as King James. Uh, also, speaking of Akron, one of my favorite musical artists right now is Swoop. Hey, hey. Hey. We up. 330. 330. That's our area called Warren, Ohio. Akron. That northeastern part of Ohio. Uh, in Warren, Ohio, there's 20% of the population below the poverty line. Wow. The number's pretty high. And so when you think about coming from that town, what are some of the things that we think about how do we get out of that predicament? How do we lower that number and how do we make a life for ourselves? And one of the things that's big for us is football. I mean, football is Warren, Ohio. Friday nights, roughly 10,000 fans at a high school football game shuts down the entire city. You may know some of the names. Hall of Famer Paul Warfield, who was on the Miami Dolphins, undefeated 72 team, also played for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Corey Stringer, was, was, uh, who was my cousin, rest in peace, former Ohio State and Minnesota Vikings standout. I actually remember when I got the news of his passing, I was working out in the gym at Pitt, and I believe one of my coaches came and shared with me. So that was a that was a devastating time. I do have a uh, pretty cool story about Corey. I remember, I believe it was my sophomore year, no, I apologize. I think it was my senior year, actually. My senior year. Got a call from Corey. He said, uh, this kid is coming to to Pitt. Uh, you might have heard his name, Larry Fitzgerald. He was the ball boy for the Vikings at the time because I believe his dad worked for the Vikings or somewhere around there. Uh, he said, he's coming to Pitt. I need you to do me a favor. Can you look out for him when he gets there? Because I got you. No problem at all. 
So Larry comes to pit probably after game five of his, of his freshman year. I was like, man, he need to look out for me because <laughs> now we know he is uh, one of the greatest to ever do it. Uh, also from Warren, Ohio, Mario Manningham. Remember Mario from Michigan uh, and also the New York Giants. Real, that was a big catch uh, from Eli in that Super Bowl. I remember watching. I was living in Atlanta at the time. Jumped out of my seat, seeing the home, hometown kid represent. I mean, from Boone Heron to Carl Diggs. I mean, we have guys played at Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, West Virginia, Purdue. That's what we do. We play football. We play football. And my football story from high school, I started out at a uh, little suburb high school, Holland High School, then transferred to Warren for the opportunity to play sports. My junior year, I was a starting receiver. Wasn't too wasn't too uh, exciting, though, because I only got two passes for maybe 71 yards the entire season. I believe one of those passes, like 50 yards. Uh, so I got the majority of them definitely on that, that one catch. Uh, the... The, uh, the the one thing that I always remember is that I believe I dropped more passes than I caught that year. I remember playing a team. I believe it was actually out of Akron. It was the fourth quarter. We were down by one, less than a minute to go. It was raining, and the ball came my way, and I dropped the potential game-winning touchdown. Man, I was heartbroken. I remember begging my mom to allow me to stay home from school the next day. Thankfully, she did because I was so embarrassed. So it was tough. It was really tough that junior year. I, I was doubting myself uh, for a short time there. But then I had a little self-talk. So like, you could do this. And so I worked hard that summer year, the summer before my senior year, that is. And thankfully, we got a new coach, new coaching change. So that that came with new opportunities and I would remember working hard that summer, and I would be out in the evening, 10, 11 o'clock at night, throwing the ball up in the air, because I figured if I could catch it in the dark, I should be able to catch it when the lights are on. Uh, working hard, getting stronger, bigger, faster. Uh, one of the things that really broke out for me leading up to that is when we had our summer 7-on-7, uh, and uh, Coach Barber was the new coach there, and I made a play on defense. I put him at a corner. Put me at corner the first time playing corner, got an interception, took it to the house, made a couple uh, plays out of receiver. And I remember saying, asking another coach, who is that guy? Y'all didn't tell me about him because I wasn't even supposed to be a starter going to my senior year. There was a freshman that he was supposed to be the man. And, he, and so he was supposed to take over his sophomore year. So I was an afterthought at best. Uh, but that summer and that coach checking me out, that gave me the opportunity to set up for a pretty successful senior year. I balled out, and I actually ended up being the only person out of the senior class to receive a Division One scholarship. And I made the uh, two All-Star games, the North-South All-Star game and also the Big 33. Uh, the Big 33 is where they have the top 33 players in Ohio play the top 33 in PA. And, of course, Ohio won that game. Supposed to happen. 
What you just heard was when I became the first person in the University of Pittsburgh bowl history to return a punt for a touchdown. Uh, one of my most memorable moments while they're at Pitt. Yeah, so that's what got my scholarship to. Hell to Pitt. Hell to Pitt. I was recruited to play cornerback then moved to receiver, but then because of another defensive back getting in trouble, they moved me back to receive, uh, the defensive back cornerback to add more depth. So I went from lowering the depth chart and worked my way up and fought hard, and sophomore year I became the starter. My most successful year at Pitt, I was ranked seventh in the nation at interception. I also set the pass breakup record that I still hold. I tell the guys today, go ahead and get it uh, with 18 pass breakup records. And you couldn't tell me I was not going to the NFL. That was my dream. I was thinking about what kind of car I'm going to purchase, what kind of house I'm going to buy my mom, the whole nine yards. I remember um, speaking with my coach, Coach Paul Rose, who is now the cornerback coach for UCLA. We were overlooking watching the Steelers practice. He said, you can't tell me you, you can't be out there playing with them. You're right. I'll be there soon. I was thinking about leaving school early uh, and, and going there after my junior season. Uh, but sometimes plans don't work out as you hoped. About a month before my junior season, I was uh, living on the south side of Pittsburgh. And if you know Pittsburgh, there's a lot of one-way street. And I was looking uh, on a one-way street for oncoming traffic. Next thing I know, a person going on a wrong way in a one-way street, and I'm hitting me. I'm getting pitched nerves in my lower neck, my lower back. I mean, you know how it is as an athlete. You can't perform to that top level, next person up. So ultimately, it wasn't my destiny to go to the NFL, but I call that my moment of truth. Ultimately, I guess it was part of God's plan. Hey, hey. So without football, I was lost and trying to find my way. Uh, now that football was no longer an option, I had to go into the real world. I would say I probably started my career in the real world a little uh, later than I, I should have, but I was bouncing around from multiple sales jobs. Um, I was in, into lifestyle management. But it really wasn't until I reached the lowest part of my life is when I found my purpose. Uh, it was in 2012. I was going through a divorce. For those who have gone through divorce, divorce is uh, similar to, as they liken it, to, uh, to death. And it was really uh, a low point in my time. I was uh, renting a room out for uh, from a friend. And I remember praying and even crying uh, to God, asking him, why am I here? Like, what is my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? You're giving me so much ability, but what is going to be my legacy? It was tough. But during that time, the vision came to create something that could be a life changer, if you will. I thought about the things I was passionate about, from sports uh, to serving the youth, children. I mean, really, I'm a big kid at heart. I, when I go to church, when it's time to volunteer, I'm in a youth group, dancing to the latest Kurt Franklin track. 
I was always just a big kid at heart, even volunteer at the Boys and Girls Club. And also, I believe it's important to treat people with kindness and respect, no matter who they are, whether it's the person that's cleaning the floors to the person who cutting the checks and making the final decisions. I believe everyone deserves kindness and respect. So I began to, to write down what I thought the youth, specifically young males, were missing in terms of life skills. And also the false reality surrounding that it become of becoming a professional athlete. While there's nothing wrong with having those dreams, goals, and aspiration, I mean we know less than two percent playing at the professional level. And so I saw how that affected me in my life and also those around me. And I feel like something needed to be done about that. So fast forward a little bit, the force final. I started to travel back to uh, Pittsburgh because I, I wanted to, to put this theory together as far as what I thought some of these, these young males in particular needed. And when I was thinking about it, I wanted to come up with a case study. So my aunt had two children out of her seven, two out of seven, yeah, they're deep, uh, Two children, male students, who were between the ages of 10 and 13 at the time. And I called and said, I will have this idea, and I want to meet with you all. Please invite your friends and pizza on me. Man, they probably didn't hear anything else but the pizza on me, and they showed up. Totally fine. That's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. So on my drive back, driving, driving the U-Haul, I stopped in Columbus, Ohio, and had a discussion with these these kids, um, and and based off those discussions, they did a survey, and I was able to re uh, reaffirm my thought of the things that some of these kids were missing. Um, six out of the seven said they wanted to be a professional athlete. A uh, number of them didn't understand what leadership was or decorum. But but there was a number, it was actually 21 questions, I remember, 21 questions that helped shape uh, this case study. I said, I think it might be on to something. Might be on to something. So then, after the case study, let's come up with a name. Let's come up with a name of this organization. Let's start to move forward with something. And then that's where Orange Arrow came. Orange Arrow. The number one question, by far, is what does Orange Arrow mean? Number one. So when I when I was thinking about a name, uh, we I didn't want to put it in a box. I didn't want it to be Sean Robs or Sean Robinson's uh, foundation because it it would it would limit it. So when you start to think about some of the larger nonprofits, American Red Cross, Blue Cross Blue Shield, pretty simple names, but they're iconic brands because of the work they do. And so going back to the name, when you look at the color orange, it represents enthusiasm fascination, determination, and success. Also, when you look at the color orange, it gives a source of oxygen supply to the brain. So our vision is to be a source of life support to our youth. And the color orange is appealing to young people. And then we think arrow, we think bow and arrow, pointing in the right direction, supporting our youth in the right direction. So that's what I came up with, orange arrow. The number one question next gentlemen to learn to love and to um care for what you're doing and to be careful say excuse me when you do something inappropriate under means to, um, how to be a gentleman uh, 
why you need to like send me trips and body bags and then you guys say is um I'm sorry or excuse me. Orange really means to me how to be a gentleman, how to treat other people and how to treat yourself. It's a great place to teach us how to be marinable, how to act when we're in public. Wow. That video, I haven't heard it in a while. That was from our pilot program at the Boys and Girls Club in Wilkesburg. Wilkesburg is right out, outside of Pittsburgh. So I used to do an event called Dessert Tasting for a Cause in which we used to highlight the foundations of former University of Pittsburgh athletes. It took place the evening of the Pitt Spring Game. And during that time, one of my former teammates, uh, Tory Cox, it's funny how that, how that works. Tory Cox is, when I got injured, He's the gentleman that ended up taking my position and played multiple years in the league. That's one of my good friends. That's my guy. So shout out to Tory. But uh, but Tory credited the Boys and Girls Club as one of the organizations that helped kept him off the streets and 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 safe when he was in growing up in Miami. So when we started to do the event, he wanted to get connected to the local Boys and Girls Club. So we connected. We sent some of the kids through their scholarship programs and. And had a good working relationship with them. But then that knowing that that how that would help, that relationship and those introductions would help uh, give me a platform to see if we had something here with Orange Arrow. And right away, the the boys gravitated to it. They really, they really did. And it was something that was really encouraging. I, I, I didn't know what I was doing. This is my first go in the nonprofit world. And and I was still dealing dealing with the, the transition of coming out of my divorce, and I was still figuring life out. I was I was substitute teaching in, uh, in Pittsburgh public schools, and I was at this time living in the basement of one of my one of my friend's home, actually one of my former teammates, uh, a second property for him, and so just me in the basement and f figuring out. I remember money was tight. Money was was really tight. Uh, I would wait sometimes to to eat until I would go to the the Boys and Girls Club and bring pizza. Um yeah. Because I felt like there was something bigger than me. And there was something that that um, these that was working in the kids, and they started to think differently, behave differently, um, and they started to look forward to this orange arrow, wherever that is, whatever that means, uh, to come to the boys and girls club and have these sessions, and not knowing that I was struggling, struggling personally, um, and but I had to put all that aside, and gladly did. To, to run those sessions with energy and come up with new ideas and give them all that I had. And it, it, it was really, it was really, it was really all worth it. Really all worth it. Um, yeah, so with that, we, meaning those that are around me, my family and friends who were supporting me during that transition, as I share more things, I felt like I had something going there. I had something going. It's time to take the next step step with this organization. So I incorporated 
Orange Arrow in uh, February 2013. Uh, initially, she was pretty much with with everything though. The, um, the some of the challenges were funding. It's pretty, it's pretty funny how you hear from the funding community. What's the results? What are you doing? What are what's the data? Uh, I need some money in order so so I can, so I can do it. So it, it was really that that um, that challenge of doing the work, but also needing the funding to do the work. So find a way. I was making it happen. Um, one day, one of my former teammates, Lusaka Polite, he was in town. I told him to come check out what we're doing at the Boys and Girls Club Wilkinsburg. And after one session, he said, "I love what you're doing. I applaud what you're doing." I want to support what you're doing. At that time, he was playing for the uh, Miami Dolphins. And right there on the spot, he wrote a $1,000 check. And I, I told him we didn't have a bank account for Orange Arrow. Like, we, we didn't have anything that we needed to. He said, it's not about that. It's not about a tax write-off. It's about I see what you're doing, and I want to invest into it. It really takes those type of moments to... To, uh, to keep someone going, an entrepreneur, when, when, when you're doubting yourself, um, am I doing the right thing? Is this the right path? But God has a funny system of humor of showing you ways and having these small wins to say, yes, you're on the right path. Whether it's a kid saying, thank you, this is the best thing I've ever been part of, or if it's uh, a friend unprovoked writing you a check. Those type of wins, those type of life moments help help me um, continue to move forward one of the break breakthroughs in the development of orange arrow was get to the point where we were able to see receive a uh, a grant uh, a grant from a couple of um, individuals but particularly uh, one of the uh, most notable non um, foundations here in the Pittsburgh area, which is the Heinz Endowments. They gave us a planning and development grant. And that allowed me to recruit, I want to say, maybe 12 to 14 of my friends from all different backgrounds, from, de from designers to educators to business people. We brought these individuals together for a four-month planning period to figure out what are we doing with Orange Arrow and how do we bring more structure to it, uh, more direction, et cetera, et cetera. We did an exercise, and it was a, a survey starting out, and one of the questions was, describe Orange Arrow. What is Orange Arrow? Again, these are all friends at different levels, and if we gave it to 12 people, I feel as if we got 17 different answers. It was crazy. And so I had to think back, like, what am I doing or not doing for these people who are closer to me and they couldn't tell me what Orange Arrow is? They had an idea. And they were also, some of them were being put, placed in boxes where I didn't necessarily want the organization to be. And during this time frame, I really started to grow as a leader. I believe one important characteristic of a leader, one of the important characteristics of a leader is being vulnerable. So vulnerable meaning 
being open to feedback and, and criticism and constructive criticism and be able to move forward. Now, all these people wanted the best for me, wanted the best for the organization, and I was giving, I was getting strong constructive criticism about different things, including my mission uh, and the mission of Orange, our mission. So Orange Arrow at the time mission was the absolute mission, well, the guidance and success of our youth is the absolute mission. So when I first started, again, it was the guidance and success of our youth was the absolute mission. So that wasn't as clear. And that's why we got so many different definitions. So it was based upon how they interacted with Orange Arrow. So if they went to the Wilkinsburg and they saw this group of kids and they came up with their own idea of what we're all about. Or if I spoke with somebody who had an idea or maybe if they saw the logo, wherever the case may be, it was all different types of mixed messaging. So during that time is when I changed the mission. I changed the mission to... Our mission is to coach young student athletes to aim for success off the field. That was it. That that's it. That was it. Now it wasn't as easy as me switching like that. Now it was definitely a little, little resistance. Like, oh no, this is it. Everybody's going to figure it out. But I started to see the early positive results of changing that to that mission statement because people people got it whether they didn't see an image they saw an image where they didn't go to the website they had an understanding of working with young student athletes and it's about being successful outside of them playing pretty simple and straight to the point so that was one of the most uh, pivotal times in the early stages of orange arrow was that Heinz endowments uh, planning development grant uh, for us to bring more structure but um, the most important thing was to have more of a clear vision of who we are and, and where we're going. So we launched the overtime program for the young male student athletes with uh, three locations. They were all Boys and Girls Club in the Pittsburgh area, Wilkinsburg, Stowe Rocks, and Shadyside. Uh, one of the highlights was when the Wilkinsburg location gave us the Organization of the Year Award. That was so meaningful to me and to hear the impact that we were having on the kids. I'm not sure if there will be anything else that uh, the organization will receive that, that that's going to top. It's going to be tough because it was the early stages of it, the personal things I was going through. But to be able to be recognized in that way at their their banquet, we were in a, in a, a local, I think a, a local gym, maybe it was 35 people. Um, but I had the biggest smile on my face. I probably had a larger smile on my face then than 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 that the, the smile I had on my face when I uh, set that record, scoring that touchdown, that pit. So that that meant a lot, and it will always mean a lot to me winning that organization of the year award. Some of the best deals are going to be made at the table that might be life changing, and um, people pay attention to how you eat and how you handle yourself at at the table. This is probably worth a million dollars right here just because most kids don't get the opportunity to be taught the proper way to eat. What you just heard was actor, comedian, radio host, uh, Ricky Smiley. Ricky Smiley attended our event called Dine with Gentlemen. Uh, a former, uh, a, a person who was helping out really um, early on, shout out to Key. 
he had a connection to Ricky's manager. And Ricky was coming in town, in town in Pittsburgh. At the time, he was on a local radio station. And he wanted to do something locally in the community. So once I got that news, I came up with this event. I said, we should have a dining etiquette. So I got some friends together, someone who could uh, lead it. Shout out to Penny. And we got some of the kids from the, those three sites together. And we had our Dine with Gentlemen event. And it was great. It was a hit. And it was it's something to this day that we do on a consistent basis. And it's probably one of our most uh, well-attended and most exciting times because not only do we bring the kids together for a dining etiquette event to get dressed up we'll shut down a, a room in a high-end restaurant and they get to be dressed up but then they get to meet some surprise guests where there are current or former athletes or leaders in the room but going back to ricky smiley so ricky had it ricky after the dining with gentlemen event he gave us tickets they gave me two tickets to see his show the uh, the next day and so I show up, and at the end of his, his set, really funny set, he starts to thank the crowd. I guess he has family um, from the Pittsburgh area. They were in the crowd. He gave them all shout-outs and showed love. Then he starts to speak about this event that he had, that he attended earlier, and how, how great it was. He said, this group called Orange Arrow, and... They do this event, it's dining, dining etiquette, they should do this all over the world. They said, hey, the um, the founder's right there. Well, we were right in the front row, so he brought me up, and he gave me 30 seconds to uh, to give the speech. Now, before that, he clowned me because I had some clean, they were clean, I had some orange swims. So, you know, you, you got you to gotta stay branding, so he's definitely clowned my shoes a little bit. But uh, I appreciate, appreciate him giving me that. 30, 45 seconds to speak to his audience about who we are and what we do. And even that next, the uh, the following upcoming Monday, he mentioned us on the national uh, national syndicated show about Orange Arrow. Now, he did say he was going to have the guys, he was going to have us on there to uh, to speak about it. Still waiting on that. So, uh, so Ricky, if you're listening, we're still available to uh, to join your show and tell them more about who we are and what we do. After I decided to stop swimming, I was pretty lost. Swimming was pretty much my life for about 20 years. Uh, During swimming, I served on the Student Athletic Advisory Committee, which was really important to me. So uh, when I was done, you know, I didn't really know what to do in school without swimming. Uh, I was pretty much just going through the motions. This kind of continued until uh, Penny from Pitt's Life Skills Program referred me to Sean and his organization, Orange Arrow. I, I give a lot of credit to Sean and Orangero with getting my life back on track. They gave me a sense of normalcy and you know something productive to do outside of class. E- even though I you know wasn't an athlete anymore, I knew I still wanted to be involved with athletes. And Sean's story really resonated me uh, with me. And you know the Orange Arrow mission hit really close to home. I wish I had someone tell me when I was younger, you know, to have a backup plan in case my athletic dreams didn't work out because, you know, it would have made that transition from athlete to non-life, you know, non-athlete life uh, way easier. And so, you know, the Orange Arrow mission is extremely important to me. So that was my guy, Mike. Mike um, had dreams of being the next, uh, like the other Mike, Michael Phelps, 
he, I believe he actually raced against him. At least was in the, against him. At least was in the meet with him uh, years ago. But he had dreams of being an Olympic athlete, and he unfortunately was hit by a car here in Pittsburgh. He was walking across the street, and then the injuries prevented prevented him from competing again. So he's still a student at the University of Pittsburgh, but uh, can no longer compete. And when I started the organization and early on, I had the idea of the impact, the potential impact we have on the young student athletes. But one thing I did not realize is the impact that we, we would have on the collegiate athletes. It's been a great eye opener. I mean, we've been able to provide internships I mean, true internships where they can develop their skills from marketing and branding, program management, uh, operations, videography, photography, the list goes on and on. And we train these collegiate athletes on our curriculum and they go out to the local elementary and middle schools and lead these life and social skills sessions. And for, in order for them to be able to teach it, they have to internalize it. And to see the growth of some of these athletes has been, it's been great. I remember one athlete in particular, uh, shout out to Ryan. He came into the uh, interview. He needed an internship. Came to the interview. I don't know if he just came from practice or what, but he had his warm-ups on. He had a hat on. No resume. It's like, dude, this is not how you come into a, a, an interview. Been there, done that. I get it brought him on uh, we gave him an internship and to see his growth from when he first started till the end in which he was bringing other teammates he was leading sessions because he's normally a, a quiet guy and this was his junior year and then he comes back his senior year and volunteers uh, throughout the year uh, because his internship requirements were already done but he, he still wanted to be involved he was fortunate enough to pursue his dreams. He, he's in the midst of it right now of uh, becoming a professional athlete. He had a, he has an opportunity. He got an opportunity to play in the NFL. Uh, still there now. And he is with the uh, the Patriots. And recently, probably a few months ago, he uh, unprovoked. He ended up became a donor. Uh, he made a donation. And I really appreciate that. That, that means a lot. Just to see from a kid that doesn't have his resume, junior year, trying to figure out what he's going to do, and then comes back and plays very well his uh, his senior year, and he has an opportunity to play in the NFL. But all through that time, he hasn't got about Orange Arrow. He still rocks the 08 band, and now he's a donor. And that type of uh, uh, transition and that type of growth is is really invaluable. So we are having multi generational impact with these college athletes and these young student athletes. We want to help to start to change the narrative of what you're hearing sometimes on a national scale with some of these universities and individual professional athletes are are facing. Oftentimes, you hear more about what they're doing outside of the playing arena than they do the negative things outside of playing arena than they do actually playing their sport. And we want to help change that because uh, I believe, we believe that athletes are influencers. They're leaders. And we believe if we can 
impact and, and build up the influencers that can help change their circle of friends, their schools, their community, and eventually the world. We all know who the athletes are. We know who they are when we were in high school. We know who they are at the collegiate level. It gets a little bit, lights gets a little bit brighter. Most everyone know who you are when you're at the professional level. And I mean, you think about NFL, they said NFL stands for not for long. And so we got to make sure that these young student athletes are becoming better people than they are athletes. And it's really about developing their life and social skills no matter what the career path may be. So stay with us. Stay tuned. We got a lot on the horizon. Looking forward to speaking more about our fifth set program, which is in its pilot phase. We're now no longer a all-boys group. We're introduced to a program for girls. I remember going back to the Boys and Girls Club back in the day in Wilkinsburg and in Shadyside. Some of the girls asking, when are you going to do a pink arrow? Or when are you going to do something for for the girls? Uh, or can can we be part of it? But now we can say, yes, we are we are. It's on its way. So fifth set, excited about that. Uh, and we're primed to make a a national movement and excited to talk about some of the other partnerships that we're having, bringing on other special guests you get to hear from, the actual students, uh, the parents, uh, some of the athletes as well. So uh, stay inside the play call with us as we continue our journey of impacting thousands of, thousands of lives. Who you with? Thank you for listening to today's episode of Inside the Play Call. Make sure you stay connected. Our website, orangearrow.org. Twitter and Instagram, at orangearrowpa. And Facebook, orange.arrow. Until next time, I take, you take, we take, a, 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 take aim.